0: Well, church, would you look over there, out that corner, look at all those kids heading out here, that uh, begs a point, yeah, it's pretty cool, we need some folks to step up, and uh, step out, and give us a Sunday a month, uh, working with our young folks, and you've got those connection cards, uh, right in front of you, I just encourage you to fill those out, Uh, that's a real opportunity for us as a church, to minister to other folks, Uh, Devin, uh, wherever you are, uh, that was moving. I just feel like God is in this place this morning. God is working here. I believe God is mysteriously working in the life of the Centralia community church, and that God is going to do something yeah Amen. as this church expands its footprint and reaches out through this community uh, it 's good to see what God is doing in the life of this of this family. Yeah. Well this morning we want to continue this Everyday Disciple uh, message series as we talk about engaging with one another and how we minister to one another and and how we serve one another. As we start out this morning, I want to tell you a little bit about myself growing up. Um, When I was in elementary school, for most of my elementary school career, I was the smallest person in my class. I was a short, I weighed like 55 pounds, it seemed like, for like, it's hard to believe, right, I know. Uh, But for a long time, and I I was small, I was undersized. Uh, And that lasted really up through, uh, gosh, I wanna say sixth, seventh grade. And then I started to catch up, and by high school, I was was pretty average. And, uh, but I remember, you know, the playground is a brutal place, right? And uh, when you're the little, you know, in elementary school, you know, I don't know if they do this still. They probably don't. But they used to line you up by height for a lot of things, which was a way of announcing to everybody you were the shortest person in your class, right? And uh, it, it got worse when you got out. And I like to play sports. I love to play basketball. I love to play, uh, you know, on the playground. It was touch football. And uh, we picked teams, Right. Well, guess who got picked last, you know, for a lot of those years? It's tough being last, isn't it? And I think as human beings inside all of us, we have this, uh, we have this desire to be first, don't we? You know, I notice it in me, I head to the grocery store, and I get, uh, as I'm walking up to the, uh, to the checkout line, you know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm looking to see which line is going to be the fastest and what line is the shortest so I can move quickest to the front, right? I never pick right. I don't know about the rest of you. I always pick, you know, I get behind uh, uh, the world's greatest couponer or or something like that and it, it takes a while. But we have with each one of us this desire to be first, to be at the front of the line. And in the kingdom of God, that might not work. That may not be how God has designed all of us to come together and how to live our lives. When Jesus was teaching his followers about the kingdom of God, the community that God wants here on earth, he turned everything upside down. And he said some things which really pushed back against those that would have been listening to him at that time and I think also push back on, on some of us today, all right? One of my overarching concerns about the church, not just this church, but the church in, in the United States, in the Western world, is sometimes I think we're asking the wrong questions when we come together. Sometimes there's this desire to put ourselves first, Right? So we ask questions like, uh, am I getting enough out of it? Or we may ask a question like, uh, does the church's program fit my needs? Or or meet the the needs of my, my family? And let me challenge you with this. Those are, I think, can be important questions. But I really don't think they are the first questions we should be asking when we gather together as God's people. I think the questions we need to be asking is, Is this a place where I can use my gifts? It's a question we don't ask very often, is it? Or how can I help others grow as I grow? These are ideas I think we need to have rattling around in our our brain as we gather together on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or in small groups. We need to think about how we can connect. The passage we're going to look at this morning is this great passage in contrast. If you have your Bibles, you'll want to turn to Matthew 20. We're going to be looking at Matthew 20, starting in verse 20 this morning. We'll see some self-seeking humans come face-to-face with a self-sacrificing Jesus. And you may have already guessed it, a major theme of what we're going to be talking about this morning is this, the cross of Jesus Christ. Because I think we need to live a cross-shaped life to think about what this means in each one of our lives. So why don't we stand out of respect as we read God's word this morning. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right hand or my left hand is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they have been prepared by my father. When the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers, right? Nobody likes to hear about people cutting in line, do they? Verse 25, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become the greatest among you must be servant or your servant and whoever wants to be the first must be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Lord Jesus, As we open and explore your word this morning, would we examine our own hearts? Would we examine our own motives? Would we look at the territory we've carved out, God? And would we ask ourselves, Lord Jesus, today, what do we need to surrender? What do we need to take to the cross, Lord Jesus? And as we as individuals work to become more like you, God, draw us together into a community of loving, caring sacrifice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, a question for you this morning. What are your motives when it comes to living in community with one another? What are motives? We live in a very self-serving society, and if you watch sort of the self-help programs on TV, it tends to be all about me, right? How I can become fulfilled, how I can become happy. If you go back A few verses, Jesus told the disciples, he told his followers this in Matthew 19. This is in the chapter before. He says, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So the followers had just heard this, and you know what they're thinking about? Thrones, right? They're thinking about thrones, but they don't understand what he means by that and what it's going to take to get to that place, what it's going to look like in terms of leading a life of sacrifice to become like Jesus. The disciples are falling into a trap that I think many of us can fall into and do, right? They hope the Messiah would use his power and the power structures of the day, the the military, perhaps, to establish a throne. The politicians would be helpful in establishing this throne, and they wanted a piece of this. It's somewhat ironic because it's actually also in this passage right around this time that that Jesus tells the rich young man to go and sell all of his possessions. So how quickly we forget, right? How quickly we get drawn into this idea of looking at my territory, my stuff, myself. James and John want to be on the throne. So James and John, you know, they're among the closest to Jesus, and they want to be on the throne right next to him. And so they do the most courageous, manly thing that any two men could do, and they have their mom go and ask. <laughs> right? They go, Mom, would you go ask him? That's probably what's going on here because in the, in the society of the day, Um, It would not have been... Older women were granted a a certain amount of latitude to speak into situations that maybe uh, younger folks or men were not allowed to. There was a position of respect for them. So, So, you know, they send their mom to go do their bidding. Verse 20, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down... I mean, they were in on it, right? They'd go with her. And she asked this favor... And then in verse 24, the other disciples here, right? When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Now, we don't know why. I hope that their motivation was they were indignant because they saw that this wasn't what Jesus was doing. But it's also fairly likely that they just didn't want to be, they wanted to be considered for the job, right? Right hand, left hand. hand. Something deadly happens in community when motivation shifts from being missional to positional. Let me say that again. Something deadly happens in church communities when our motivation shifts from being missional to positional. Now, what is positional motivation? Positional motivation asks the question what's in it for me? Will it look the way I want it to look? Will it sound the way I want it uh, to sound? Will I be esteemed? Will my needs be taken care of? That's a positional motivation. A missional motivation asks the questions, where can I best serve? Where can I best be like Jesus? Where can I best love? What territory do I have to surrender? Right? Church, as we move forward in the next several months, as we talk about the kind of community that we're going to be and what God is doing, I want us to be a place led by our elders, working with our staff to communicate this idea that we are going to serve and minister to one another in this community, but also outside these doors, onto Borst Avenue, and throughout Lewis County. Folks, a church that has that attitude, folks, people will be knocking down their doors if we are reaching out and loving. Mm -hmm. I like what J.I. Packer says. He says, what work does Christ set his servants to do? The way that they serve him, he tells them, is by coming slaves, the slaves of their own fellow servants, and be willing to do literally anything, however costly, irksome, or undignified in order to help them. This is what love means, as he showed himself at the Last Supper when he played the slave's part and washed the disciples' feet. We're Church of God people, right? We we do foot washing, don't we? It's part of who we are. Jesus uses the moments of the disciples' stumbling to point them to what may be the central truth of salvation. Jesus explains the fundamental nature of kingdom living, the core truth of what it means to be a kingdom person. To truly live, we must first die. To truly live, we must first die. We have to live this cross-shaped life. I kind of put this up here this morning front and center for a specific reason. Some of you were sitting, some of you sitting over here and this isn't meant to be critical because I would have done the same thing had I walked into church on Sunday morning. I would have said you know what? That cross is making it hard for me to see Devin. That cross is getting in the way. You know what? The cross is going to get in the way. Right? Because all of us in sort of our unwashed shelves. And and I I would put myself at the front of the line, have selfish motivations. The impulse to put myself first oftentimes works in opposition to this, the cross. We need this cross-shaped life. Verse 22, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I'm gonna drink? And then they say this, it's almost flipped. They say, we can we can drink that cup. I don't think they had the slightest idea of what he was talking about at that point. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup, a drink from my cup, but to sit at the right hand and the left hand is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my Father. He asked this strange question, can you drink my cup? Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? By the way, we know what that cup is. It's not the last time, right, that Jesus talks about a cup. He talks about a cup later on. When gathered around a table on the night that he was betrayed, he took a cup and he said, This is going to be my blood poured out for you. What Jesus is saying here is, can you take this cup? Can you give it all away? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to give up your territory? Are you willing to surrender yourself? Because that's what's going to be demanded. Interestingly enough, he does kind of prophesy here. He says, yeah, you will indeed drink my cup. And history tells us that most of those who heard this wound up dying for the cause of Christ. So he knew where they were going. They just didn't know at this time. The cup was going to be heavy. And to their credit, they did drink that cup. They did drink that cup eventually. Sacrifice is the way forward. Paul makes this clear. It's kind of a winnowing, a shedding of things that we must go through. In Colossians 3, he says this, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. See those things there that we need to give up? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now, and then he gives us a second list. You know that first list we look at and go, I'm not doing most of those. I'm all right on those. But then he says this, you must now also rid yourselves of such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the Creator. We're being called to be like Jesus and to be shaped like Jesus. So, maybe another question for us this morning is this Where do I need to die? Where do I need to die? There may be some of you here this morning who have never accepted Christ as your Savior. You've never said, God, I'm surrendering control of my life. I have lived my life motivated by self-interest, and so far, it hasn't worked out real well. I'm going to surrender to you. If that's you this morning, I'd like to talk to you. We'd like to fill that baptismal font and baptize you. We want to be a church where we're winning souls to Jesus. Some of you may be in here and have been a follower of Jesus Christ for a long time, but maybe that selfishness and some of those attitudes have crept their way back into your life. And you need to say, I'm going to let go of some of those. I'm going to surrender some of those things. By the way, when we hold on to those things, it it tends to create divides between ourselves and others, doesn't it? I mean, look at that whole list. That that whole list that he just gives us causes division in community. Anger, rage, jealousy, all those things. But when we're being shaped and formed into the image of Christ, it does something different. What attitudes and actions prevent you from looking like Jesus? By the way, just as God moves in individuals, we talked about this several weeks ago, he also moves in the church, doesn't he? He works in us as a community. And maybe as a community, too, there are some things we need to let go of. As a community of faith, some things we need to surrender that we've sort of held on to as the Centralia Community Church, but maybe there are things we need to let go of now. I don't know what those things are. This is my one-month anniversary, and I notice no one's holding a potluck. There's no exciting events on the calendar. I guess it's only one month, right? But what does God want to do in this community, and what does he want us to What does he want us to surrender, right? Give up. Like a sculptor works with stone or clay, the Spirit of God is working in our lives to remake us into the image of Christ. And by the way, this happens through subtraction most often, not always addition, right, in our own life. In order to shape us into the image of Christ, the sculptor, the master sculptor, has to remove things, doesn't he? take things away. Little things need to be removed. The way we think and what we do needs to change. Something that's not easy on our own but is easier when we surrender our life to the spirit of God. Remember God provided us a counselor the Holy Spirit to guide us through this process, it can be done, and it's not just individual. It's when we engage with one another and learn to look like the kingdom of God together by giving up territory, by ministering to one another, by where we see a, a child who doesn't have a father stepping in and being a father to the fatherless by providing for the poor. I was so happy to hear of the ministry this morning where we're gonna provide meals to folks in need, just have them frozen, ready to go, Right? A way to minister to people. That's something that some of you could do this morning. That's pretty low hanging fruit. You like to cook? There's a ministry. Step on board. Our engagement with one another provides opportunities to put into practice this radically different way of living. Folks, the world around us, not just the U.S., but everywhere now, we're all in it for ourselves. We're all carving out territory. We're, we're about us first as a society. What if there was a group of people called the Church of Jesus Christ that looked radically different, Amen. that looked like Jesus right. in such a way that the world took notice. This idea that we are strangers and aliens in the world. The priorities of this world are not our priorities. But we have to surrender to self first. Look what Jesus says, verse 25. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authorities over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Giving it up. Think about this for a second. The God of the universe, the God who is over all, the God who knit together the heavens and the earth that made these beautiful mountains that we get to enjoy in the state of Washington and these roaring seas that are on the west side of our state, the God who is all-powerful allowed himself to be made flesh and surrendered himself to this cross. (coughs) If the God of the universe can do that can I give up my little bit of territory can I surrender those things that I'm I'm holding on to sometimes selfishly Jesus words again a couple of weeks ago, Devin, you pointed out to me so often that our, our theology is shaped by Paul, right? Uh, because Paul wrote so much of the New Testament. These are Jesus' own words. Let's let Jesus' own words shape. Not that Paul isn't important, but these are the words of God himself. And everyone who has left his houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. A lot of what goes on in the modern church looks very little like Jesus. It's time we change that. Let's be an example church. Oftentimes churches become dressed up as self-help like you'd find on Oprah. And who even likes Oprah? Oprah. Some of you probably liked Oprah. I probably really offended you right now, didn't I? Didn't mean to offend you with the Oprah thing. But the Bible isn't self-help. The Bible is an encounter with the living God. And self-help is about adding. Jesus is about reshaping and reforming and making all things new, recreating us. In the most ugly cases in our world right now, the gospel has been turned into some sort of cheap Ponzi scheme by tele-evangelists and prosperity theologians who tell you if you just give a late, you'll get tenfold if you give to my ministry. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Jesus gives a different image. Give yourselves away. Give your community. One of the things I was encouraged by when I saw my first board meeting was my second day here, my first elder meeting. And at that elder meeting, your elders chose to give, I forget the amount of money, but several thousands of dollars to the, is it the Lewis County Gospel Mission or Rescue Mission? Give it away. It's not about what we can take in. It's not about what we can collect. It's about giving it away. And I believe when we give it away, God does miraculous mass and does amazing things in our midst and changes and transforms. You're going to have to drink my cup, though. That's what he says. And that's not an easy way to live, but you know what? It's the good way to live. It's the best way to live. The last will be first. The servant will ultimately become master, but the first in line must become the slave. Paul says this in Galatians 2.20. Again, back to this cross. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave His Son, or gave Himself for me. The Son of God loved me, and the Son of God gave Himself for me. Can I give myself to others? Can I surrender my territory to others? We're called to live this cross-shaped life. When we face decisions, challenges, moral questions, relational problems, financial choices, in all of these little intersections of life that we encounter every day, in our conversations with others, Each one of those things is an opportunity to live this cross-shaped life. Can we retrain our minds to the power of the Holy Spirit to think that way, church? Can we do that? We need to consider the message of the cross and ask ourselves, what does the way the cross, what does the cross's message mean? How does it dictate how we live? What are our next steps? if we 're focusing on letting the cross shape us individually but also as a community, you may be surprised and amazed by what happens in this place, right? I was recently reading an, an article it's a guy it's a website I go to occasionally a blog it's author I hadn't heard of, but I, he wrote this sentence that to me was devastating as I read it It, it as a pastor in the church for the last 26 years it devastated me he said this about the church we've considered every possible means of getting the most people into our buildings and keeping them there and we've attracted people on the basis of mere self-interest so that what, we have, what we have now are congregations ecstatic to belong to some place that in the name of the Lord takes their self-interest as seriously as they do. Ouch. In the name of the Lord we take the self-interest of others as seriously as they do. That's not the kingdom that God designed. But then this author said something that I thought was very hopeful and I want to put this. I didn't put that one up on the screen because it bothered me so much. But I like the second part of what he said. He said this: my own sense is that the church or is that church people are weary of the status quo Christianity. Whether that status quo is of traditional church dying on the vine or the contemporary church that is merely in contemporary and not much church. People want to be challenged to lay down their lives, to nurture passionate, exclusive love for Jesus through prayer and devotion to his word. The world is all superficial and self-centered. Shouldn't the church be something else, something solid, profound, deeply mystical, altogether otherworldly, and devoted to loving God and neighbor, no matter the cost? That's the church that Jesus Christ wants. That's the bride of Christ. That's who we are called to be. That's the kind of church I wanna be. That song started with this, this line. It's, it talked about this chasm. Great the chasm. The Great latest. is this chasm that is between us, man and, and God, but also man and man i want to give you a little visual this morning as we're leaving this morning i can i get i'm going to grab a couple volunteers can i get you matt you're sitting right here and how about i get you you want to come on up yes our 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 lead elder come on up here now i'll have you come over here and i want you to pick up that rope and i want you to pick up that rope on that side i've got two of our elders here say hello say hello to rob and matt all right so so now, I don't, I don't know much about it, so I'm going to put a bunch of labels on them this morning that probably don't apply to them, okay? Okay, so I'm going to start over here first. So, uh, Rob's a partier, rock and roller, right? Likes his music loud, likes his coffee strong, <laughs> all right? He's a right-winger, posts a lot, likes to talk about it. No, I don't think that. I'm not going to put that label on. And then we got Matt over here. Matt's on the other side of the spectrum. He likes classical music, though, and he likes it played quietly. Um, he, he, you know, he's, he's kind of territorial a little bit, right? I'm um, just putting these things, on, you know, on him. They're not, not, not real, but, but, you know, he's got his own, own set of stuff. And, and, and maybe, uh, maybe uh, Robin and Matt don't always see eye to eye. But both love Jesus. And, and both want to become more... Like Jesus, And so they start, you can just follow this rope and just kind of gently pull on it. Don't pull on it too hard. We don't want to topple the cross. But they start making their way towards the cross. Just kind of step up there. And Okay, stop for a minute. They're climbing these steps. They have to let go of some stuff. Maybe letting go of anger or pride. You can keep climbing here slowly. Uh, maybe they decide that they have to give up some of their resources, that the stuff they're holding on to, God wants them to give up. And so, they move a little closer to the cross. Some attitudes go away, maybe through the power of Holy Spirit, some sin that's over, we all have that, right, that's overtaken their life. They surrender that to God through the power of the Spirit of God, he gives them healing in that area and they move closer to the cross of Jesus Christ. And as they do that, this group here starts to look a little bit more like the church, right? It starts to look, the world looks in and goes, look at those two. They're different than they used to be, right? And they move a little bit closer and a little bit closer, surrendering all along the way, drinking the cup. And you know what happens sooner or later? Look how close they are to each other. And the differences that maybe we all once had, this is all of us, right? Evaporate. Dissolve. as we form form this unique kingdom, this group of believers who are conforming ourselves to the image of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, the differences we have start to fade as we surrender territory to Jesus. And we give the world a little glimpse of what the kingdom might look like on earth as it is in heaven. Folks, that's what I desire for this church to be. I'm going to dismiss you in a second, but there's a couple things you might want to do this morning. Just think about doing. Maybe you've never done business with Jesus and you just want to talk to something about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I would love to to talk to you. Uh, These two would talk to you, right? You guys would talk to somebody if they wanted to come to, to know the Lord. Our staff is out here. We'd love to talk to you. Maybe this morning, as a sign of drinking the cup, you want to go over. Next week, we take communion corp- corporately, but over there today, there's some communion elements. And maybe before you leave here, as a, a sign and symbol, as a line, you might we want to go over and just take communion this morning before you leave. Maybe some of you this morning have said, you know what, I haven't given to the Lord in a long time. I want to give something to the Lord, sacrificially. You saw the number of kids we have out there. You have these communication cards. If you want to work summer sports jam or make yourself available a week a month to work with kids or teens we'd like to hear from you but there are all sorts of ways we can start working to look and be like the kingdom of God Lord Jesus bless us as we go from this place this morning may we leave here changed may we look more like you God would you be at work in our lives and at every intersection that we come to throughout the week in our conversations with others in how we use our finances and how we spend our time God Would those all be reflections of you, Lord? Would we grow together as a kingdom people? Would we be an inviting people that are reaching out into our communicating our community, wanting to share with others this good news? Good news. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.